everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast with me, your host, Alex Murray. So this week, we've got security updates for the Linux kernel, uh, PHP, and the NVIDIA proprietary drivers. So we'll be talking then about some recent research uh, that was around that into GPU-based side channel attacks. And we're going to have a quick chat about uh, hardening, that kind of thing, and uh, talk about some open positions that we've got within the team. Okay, so let's get started. So this week, uh, there are 10 unique CVEs that we've addressed across the supported Ubuntu releases. Starting first, we've got an update for a previously released OpenSSH uh, vulnerability. And a couple of weeks ago, back in uh, episode 20, I mentioned that uh, we had an OpenSSH update for an issue with the OpenSSH client where a malicious server could potentially overwrite uh, local files uh, that the client hadn't necessarily specified. And we had updated to fix that. However, we had unfortunately missed one of the patches that was required. Uh, so this new update for OpenSSH includes that, and uh, that fix is now complete. So that's been fixed for Trusty, Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. Uh, this week, we've also had our kind of usual kernel updates. So we've got an update for both the Bionic kernel, and later on, I'll be talking about an update for the Cosmic kernel. Each of these then gets backported uh, as the hardware enablement kernel for uh, the previous releases. So in that case for Bionic, we've got the Bionic kernel backported for Trusty and Xenial as the hardware enablement kernel. Uh, so we've got three CVEs here that were addressed for that Bionic kernel. Uh, two of these were found by Jan Horn and Google Project Zero, quite a prolific uh, security vulnerability researcher, particularly with Linux. Uh, so one of these was around, uh, actually the vulnerability was initially found in PolicyKit. So this is a component that uh, is used to provide uh, security authorization so that you, know, you can say authenticate as an administrator that a particular action should be performed and so policy kit uh, will do that authorization. So when it does this, it pops up a dialogue and you have to type in your password. So you've probably seen this uh, for different things, even say installing packages, uh, you will often have to do this. And policy kit will cache that authorization for five minutes so that if you say install one package, you don't then have to go and reauthorize again as soon as you install another one. And the way that it uh, stores this cached information to know which process it had actually done that for, so in that case, say the software center, it identifies it based on its process ID, the PID, as well as the start time. And so it does this because obviously if you know, the process ID got reused, then another process could spoof that one and you know, regain that authorization without actually being authorized. Uh, the problem is that the start time uh, is not atomic, essentially, because the, well, the start time is atomic, but the start time can be spoofed because the fork system call that's used when you, you know, create a new process is not atomic. And the way that uh, that's done an attacker, they can call sysclone, which is essentially the, the fork implementation on Linux, at the same time as the real process that gets authenticated. And so then it has the start, same start time. Uh, what it then needs to do is it actually needs to end up with the same process ID as the real process to be able to impersonate it. And the way it can do that is it can actually block the kernel from returning back as part of its clone so that the kernel has just registered the start time, but it hasn't gone on to do all the rest of the setup for that uh, process. And it can effectively race against the real process, say software center, waiting for it to end. And then it will block the kernel uh, until that other process is exited, waiting until all the process IDs and the system gets cycled around to be reused. And it can then essentially continue on and make sure that it gets the same process ID as the original authorized process. And it already had the same start time. So at this point, it's able to full policy kit into impersonating the real process. 
And so there's a couple of places you could fix this. Obviously, you could try to fix it in Policy Kit to make sure that it was smarter. Uh, unfortunately, from user space, there's not necessarily a lot we can actually do here, though, because the kernel is racy in this case. So uh, the main fix for this was to make sure that the kernel uh, recorded the start time kind of later in the setup process for that, uh, that new process so that it can't easily uh, be spoofed and can't easily be manipulated from user space. So we've updated the kernel to essentially fix uh, what was ostensibly an issue with PolicyKit. Uh, going on, Yarn also discovered the second CVE I want to talk about here for the kernel, which was in the user fault FD subsystem, and that it would not properly handle access control for certain IO controls. And so in this case, Yarn discovered that it would allow local users to write data into holes in a tempfs file, even if the user only had read-only access to the file and the file already contained holes. So yeah, that's been fixed. Uh, the last one I want to talk about here was uh, a vulnerability in the crypto subsystem that would leak uninitialized uh, stack memory to user space. And this occurred actually as a recent change to convert various parts of the crypto uh, subsystem from using strn copy to strl copy. And uh, the reason this was done was because strn copy does not guarantee that it will null terminate uh, the buffer, uh, whereas strl copy does. However, the problem was that uh, Sturin copy, if when it does null terminate the buffer, it pads out the remaining parts of the buffer. So the whole buffer would then get set uh, with nulls. Whereas Sturil copy does not, it would leave the remainder of the buffer uh, uninitialized. And so in this case, then we ended up with uninitialized bytes uh, from the stack being leaked to user space when it was returned. And so the fix for this one was actually just to change back to using Sturin copy. So uh, that is potentially still unsafe, although there's been no uh, kind of documented cases of that being unsafe. Uh, but yeah, obviously, you know, someone initially thought it was unsafe to change the API. So I wonder if in the future we will see that go back just to rule copy or some other uh, safer version of string copying functions. Okay, uh, so the next thing we've got is the update for the Cosmic kernel that I mentioned previously. So the kernel in Cosmic is updated as well as the hardware enablement Cosmic kernel for Bionic if you're running that. And so again, three CVEs here. Two of these are the two I just mentioned previously uh, that Jan Horn discovered uh, that I talked about for the Bionic uh, kernel. The last one was an out-of-bounds write in the vhost net driver. And this is used by virtualized guests. Uh, in this case, the driver could uh, essentially corrupt the host kernel memory. Uh, that would obviously then most likely lead to a crash in the host, therefore a denial of service. But because you're able to corrupt host kernel memory, it could potentially lead to uh, arbitrary code execution in the host kernel. And so that's been fixed as well. Okay, uh, the next thing we've got is our PHP update. So we've got five CVEs here that were addressed for uh, Trusty and Xenial. Uh, all of these are allowing remote attackers to cause a crash in PHP and therefore denial of service. Two of them were in the XML RPC module. So this allows remote procedure calls via XML uh, and it's used in various wiki backends and that kind of thing. And in this case, it was a heap out of bounds read uh, and possible use after free. So they've both been fixed. We've also got uh, one here in the var, the PHP archive module or PHAR, uh, which was incorrectly handling file names. And this is the case where usually you can upload these kind of far archives and so it would uh, improperly process the file name, uh, resulting in a potential heap-based buffer overread and uh, yeah, crash PHP. There was also one for DNS handling. Uh, this was only affected the version of PHP that's in Xenial, 
but would allow a remote contractor who can control the returned uh, DNS response to crash PHP again due to a buffer overread, uh, where it's doing a mem copy. So obviously this one, uh, because it's having to control essentially return values of DNS lookups, uh, you know, harder to potentially exploit. But I guess if you can exploit it, a nice passive, not directly active attack against your PHP. So kind of a cool attack from the attacker point of view. Anyway, and the last one was in the uh, MB string uh, regular expression handling. So MB string is the handling of multibyte sequences in regular expressions. And again, uh, there was a bunch of heap uh, buffer overreads that were fixed here for that. The last one we want to talk about is uh, an update for the NVIDIA graphics drivers. So uh, this is one CVE that was fixed for Bionic and Cosmic. This relates to uh, some recent research into GPU side channel attacks. So uh, I've linked to a paper in the show notes, uh, which is titled Rendered Insecure, GPU side channel attacks are practical. And what the authors do here is they look at a bunch of different ways to uh, perform side channel attacks against the GPU. In this case, what they're trying to do is, you know, use access to the GPU to infer other things that are occurring on the GPU and therefore in you know, a side channel attack, not a direct attack against what the GPU is doing. What, one of the ways they do this is by using the performance counters. So these are things that allow, obviously, to you to introspect various things like you know the CPU and the RAM and other bits on the GPU directly to figure out uh, you know kind of how it's performing. But they use it to characterize the workload that the GPU is performing, and through a bunch of different uh, statistical analysis, they're even able to infer. Uh, things like fingerprinting what websites you're uh, visiting and that kind of thing that are being rendered on the GPU. Uh, in this case, the way they were able to do this, as I said, was through the performance counters, and these were available to a standard local user previously. So this update uh, now makes performance counters uh, require administrative privileges to access. So if you're using an NVIDIA GPU uh, and you want to do performance counting work, you'll now need to be root essentially to do that. Uh, so yeah, but that's been fixed so that at least no one can sp- uh, can snoop on your uh, or your GPU work that's going on. Okay, uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that uh, the team is looking potentially put together a, a kind of a hardening guide for Ubuntu, uh, but more for the paranoid user. So uh, out of the box, I guess the team is focused a lot on trying to make uh, a kind of hardened approach to security that is usable, uh, which is pretty common uh, for Ubuntu. You know, Ubuntu has a very strong focus on usability. Uh, and we as a security team has a, a strong focus on security, but we certainly don't want that to get in the way of, uh, of users. And we want to try to make them as kind of safe and protected and the distribution as hardened as possible. And so we do this through a lot of various policies like no open ports, and we apply various kernel hardening uh, features, you know, things that have come out of the kernel self-protection project. And we also uh, apply various compiler and toolchain hardening options, uh, things in GCC as well, to try to make sure that uh, things are as hardened out of the box. Uh, but we know that uh, ourselves as kind of security practitioners and as uh, users often uh, enable other kind of hardening options or kind of, you know, install various packages to increase the security stance of their uh, installation. So whether that's installing a firewall like UFW or fail to ban with their SSH or maybe disabling password authentication for SSH, that kind of thing. And uh, in doing this, I guess I thought it would be interesting to put a call out to listeners of this podcast, to our community, to find out uh, what kind of things uh, you enable to try to make your Ubuntu installations more secure. So yeah, 
uh, have a think, uh, send us uh, an email or get in contact uh, through one of the other ways I'll mention in a minute. And uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts on, uh, you know, kind of useful and usable suggestions on kind of extra hardening for Ubuntu. We'd really appreciate your input. Okay, uh, the team is still hiring. We've got two open positions, one for an Ubuntu security generalist and one for a robotic security engineer. So yeah, if you're keen on trying to improve the security of your favorite distribution, please apply for the general, generalist position. And if you have an interest in ROS and robotics and you like tinkering with robotics, uh, and in particular, if you have a keen interest in security, we'd love you to apply for the robotic security engineer position as well. So links for both of those uh, applications are in the show notes and I urge you to check them out and apply. Okay, as usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, and in particular, if you want to send us your hardening suggestions, please do so. You can reach us at security at ubuntu.com. You can also find us hanging out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on the Freenode IRC network. Or finally, you can get us on Twitter at ubuntu underscore sec. Okay, so thanks for listening. Uh, until next week, remember, keep calm, enabled automated upgrades, and I will speak to you soon. Thanks again. Bye.